Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1031 with Chef Nook. We cannot make everybody happy. We cannot, but we can try our best to achieve that. As long as we can walk away from that situation and knowing that we did our best, we did whatever we could, the rest is up to them. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO, optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees, and simplify their online ordering presence all in one. Book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software. This episode made possible by Restaurant Technologies, Inc. RTI's Total Oil Management automates your entire cooking oil process. With Total Oil Management, you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery, filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting, easy oil disposal, use cooking oil pickup and recycling, and say goodbye to messy, dangerous restaurant rendering tanks. Yuck. RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on, so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and your labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time creating great guest experience. Experiences. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, chef owner at Kalea, Chef Knock, and help me out with 
because your name is so beautiful and I am horrible at saying names. It's like my biggest weakness and I want to give it justice. So just say your beautiful name for me. Um, my name is Nok or Jutatip. So <laughs> I would have, I I would have struggled long. with that. Jutatip Suntaranon, but everybody call me Nok because I, every Thai go by nickname. Yes. So I'm, I can handle Chef Nok. Nook. I can handle Chef Nook. You're going to knock it out of the park. I cannot wait okay. for today's conversation. Yes. You're going to be awesome. But before we dive into who you are and how you got to where you are today, let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us okay um the quote for me to myself is when nox is happy the whole world will be happy Ooh. and my husband and my whole family know that <laughs> <laughs> so dive into that like what does that mean to you okay um you know it's go back to my beloved husband Z because since you know when we start dating and that's the way very beginning of our relationship Sip told me he loved me because I'm very self-centered mm. everything is about me 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 and that's very true because you know I I want myself to be happy I take care of myself first my well-being and then I have a, when I'm good when I'm in the at the good spot um, have a good mindset I uh, I have the strength to do good mm. to everyone around me. When I know I'm happy, I've been well taken care of. I I want to pay it forward. I want to take care of everybody, you know, how I've been taken care of. Yeah. And it's yes. very, it sounds very intuitive and very natural for you to understand that you can't take care of anybody else until you've taken care of yourself. Yes. And this is a lesson that I think isn't common knowledge, but it's becoming more so more, more people realize I can't, I can't lift other people up until I've lifted myself up. Yes. Yeah. You have to be strong enough. You have to have that strength in you and that strength come from the happiness and happiness is doesn't mean, you know, spa or, Anything that money can buy. Happiness is come from within. Happiness is come from satisfaction. Happiness is, you know, for me, my happiness is start at home, um, you know, with my puppy, with my husband, with my neighbor, with myself, um, garden in front of my house. And that's, I get myself ready to step outside my door to the world. I love this. And I am ready. I'm happy. I would never get out of bed until I know that I'm ready. Beautiful. I would never get out of my house until I know that I'm ready to go out. I'm happy. And I have, you know, positive energy to share. I love it. So before we dive into your story and how you got to where you are today, I just want to say I spent six months in Thailand. And listening to you talk is bringing me back to that culture. I love the culture. The people there are so warm and generous and inviting and just the food. I have to tell you, I want to give you a compliment. When I eat Thai food in America, it's never as good as when it's in Thailand. However, when I ate your Thai food in Philadelphia, I brought, I was brought right back to Thailand. So I don't know. This is bringing back good memories for me from the get-go but where does it make sense to start sharing your story like bring us back to the beginning where is the beginning yeah. <laughs> so for you i guess when when did you start realizing your passion for food oh i realized my passion for food since i was very little because 
all my memories, even the vague memories of my childhood, is always evolve around food. Mm. Food is very big deal in our family yeah. and Thailand in general. I would Thailand say Thailand in general, especially yeah. in the south where I come from. And where are you from? I come from Trang, okay. the southern part of Thailand. So in Trang, you know, um, because people work in rubber plantation. Um, most of the people were they will start early in the morning. So our market started two a.m. That's breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> That's breakfast. I miss the markets so much. Yeah, they're so beautiful. And you can find the food in you know twenty four hours whenever you go out. You you never get hungry in Thailand. No. Yes. Yeah. And no matter what time of too. the day, everyone can eat. Everyone. Yes. Yeah. Everybody can eat one dollar, two dollars. You get good meal. Meat yeah. on a stick. For yes. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So, um, when so when did you start like thinking? Did you think that you were going to become a restaurant tour or a chef when you were younger? No, I when I was younger because my father worked in healthcare. I I want to be a nurse. Okay. And then I'm very good at every. I'm, I'm very bad at everything. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at science. I. I was a bad student. I don't like school, I, so I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, I cannot be a nurse. I can't. I fail horribly, mm. and and then so I went to college, and I don't know what I want to do because, like I said, I hate school. But I know one thing that I love languages. So I studied Chinese when I was little after school program, and then. When I went to school, I love reading, so I love Thai language. I um, so in college, I decided to major in Thai and minor in English because that's so. There's something that it doesn't involve a lot of reading. I skip the literature in English because I don't need to do it. Okay. Yeah, but I love reading Thai literature, okay. and Thai uh, major is open book exam. So I love that. I don't have nice. to study. You just have to know where the answer is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I always take, you know, an easy way, <laughs> easy route. That's what my specialty. And I, I think I know how to ask the exam. Yeah. So I've been doing okay as a student. But that doesn't mean what I know what I'm doing when I, um, what I want to be when, I'm a, when I grow up. Got it. And I do, I do a little bit of research before every interview because I like to have an idea of who mm-hmm. I'm talking about. But I really like the interview to be my research, to really mm-hmm. dive in and fully understand who you are. I did discover that uh, before opening and coming, you know, opening a current restaurant and coming to the United States, uh, you did own an Italian restaurant. Yes. You were a flight attendant. And you also owned a jewelry store. Yes. Wow. So when, like, when did that all, did it, did it happen all at once? Was it over a period of time? Like what, what came first? Okay. So I have not finished about what I want to do when I grow up. Okay. I know one thing when I grew up and watching my family struggle, I saw my mother work really hard to, you know, to put food on the table for us. I know that I need to help her. I want to help her. I want 
all of us to be happy, to have more money, to be. I want my two brothers to have good education, security, securities. Yeah. I will do. I want to do whatever I can mm-hmm. to provide to them. When you know, so that's when I know that I have to be able to be, you know, um, strong enough. I have to be self-sustained. I have to be independent so I can provide to my family. Mm. Yes. So that was your goal, is just to, to be able to provide security and opportunity to your family. Yes. Did you know how you were going to do that? I do not. Yeah. Are you doing it today? I am. I've been doing it since I was 21. <laughs> wow. 21. Never stopped. Not even a day in my life. So what did, yeah. you do? What, what did you do for work when you were 21? 21, when I graduated from a college, I moved to Bangkok. Okay. So I worked in Marubeni, the Japanese company. Um, I work at telephone operator and receptionist. That that uh, natural uh, people skills coming yes. out from a very early yes. age. Yes, and a lot of memories because back then there's no memories, uh, phone, or uh, everything have to be written by hand. We have the phone book, each yeah. one of us, and the number is uh, they are on that book. Okay, and then we'll be the operator who that you know. Whoever in the office, they'll pick up the phone to us and say, connect me to this company, and they hang up. So we have to keep trying because back at the old days, the communication in Thailand it was not that easy. Making a call to Laos or Myanmar, back then we have to go through the call center. So we are connecting with call center to book the line. They will call us back whenever there's a line available, and we connected that line okay. from whoever on the, at the end in Myanmar. Through the central operator with our office. And how long did you do that? Um, 1989 to 1991. So two years, until two you were years. 23 years old. Yes. Um, I got a job in Kuwait Airways at the age of 21. No. I, I grad, hang on. I graduated in 21, right? 21. I moved to Kuwait in... When I was 21, I graduated one and a half years okay. at Marubeni, moved to Kuwait in 1991, come back to Thailand in 1994. Okay. Yeah. And is that when you were doing the operator? Um, from 89 to okay. 91, that's operator. Okay. Got yeah. it. So you, you left, went to Kuwait, and then mm-hmm. came back. Yeah. Uh, any significant parts in that time of your story that we should know about? Um, being a flight attendant in Kuwait, okay. is, that's when I really get to explore the food. Mm. Yeah, a lot of different food because we start traveling. Okay. How did that influence you? Um, it's just, I did not know that I love food until that much, until um, we start uh, to get training in first class. And I, there is a program called Sky Chef. So we train in the kitchen. Okay. We learn everything about the food. We learn about the mother sauce and all of that. And, and working in first class, I get to know caviar. I get to know, you know, how good all the fresh juice um, is. And I get to know how delicious foie gras are. Mm. Like, you know, first class in Kuwait back then is just all best stuff. Yeah, the and, best. And people did not care much to eat it because from Kuwait to London, it's just like five, six hours. The flight time is short. 
So, yeah. so it's safe to say this is your first exposure to the hospitality industry. And I don't think a lot of people think yes. of aviation uh, as hospitality. I was a commercial pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know uh, those flight attendants are the most hospitable people yes. out there. Yeah. Because you think about people who are traveling. Yes. They are in the most horrible moods. Oh and you my have God. these people Some, who are anxious, yes. nervous, angry, scared, angry, abusive. Yeah, everyone's yeah. on edge. Yes. Sister, there's a reason I drive across the country because mm-hmm. I want to avoid airports. Yes. <laughs> and I, you have these these angels, these flight attendants who are just so patient, so gracious. Um, it's not an easy lifestyle either. It's a really tough lifestyle yes. moving around like that. Yeah. So, um, so this is your first exposure to hospitality, safe to say. Um, the first exposure to hospitality is from my mother. Okay. How she hosts people, how okay. she hosted people, how she cooked for them. Because my father would keep inviting people home. He doesn't care if we have money or not. He just likes to have party every night. And party doesn't mean drinking or whatever. Like People at the table and we all eat together yeah. with friends, whoever that you know he saw in the afternoon said, come eat with us. That's my father. And then he would, he would tell my mom that oh, this, uh, this person coming to eat with us tonight, and mom will say just she'll say yes. And you know funny enough, the other day, you know I call my mother and sometimes I feel like she doesn't remember much so I try to like, you know, get um, the memories of the old day out of her because that's what she remember best. Mm. So I said, Mom, you know, at the old day, we don't have a lot of money, but when, you know, when Kun pa, when uh, my father invite the guests home, why you always say yes? She was like, we're going to eat anyway, and we <laughs> always have food, so, you know, why not? Mm. And that's the hospitality. Yes, this and, is what I'm looking for. And that's what I still doing here every day at the restaurant because I named the restaurant after my mother. And this is Trang Hospitality. This is how our family are. We host people, we nourish them, we we give them food because food is basic need. Mm. And we always have plenty to share. Yeah. And that's one thing. I mean, I noticed like uh, just in my travels, not everybody in Thailand has a lot, but they always are willing to give what they do. Yes. Whatever we have, we share. Yeah. Yes. And that's community. That's hospitality. And And that's what Thai. And that's a lot. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we like Western culture lost kind of let go of that. Uh, we, yes. we we forgot about what matters. The most important thing is people. Yes. And for ourselves, for our own personal need. And that's one thing that I love about Thailand is that your culture never for, like like lost sight of that. It's always about the people. It's always about the people. Even, you know, right now, 2023, with the young generation and all of that. But when I go back home, people still the same. It's like the world stopped there. Yeah. The surrounding change, culture change, but the giving, the hospitality never change. The sense of community never change. Mm. So you said that hospitality in Thailand is about just giving what you have, right? And, yes. And you're doing sharing. it. Sharing. Your, 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 you're cooking food anyway. You might as well share. Yes. Right? What else? Like how else does – give me an example of how hospitality – uh, manifests and comes to light in Thailand. Another um, example. It's just, you know, the genu- the um, sincerity because I think when the service here in America, the system is quite is broken in the 
hospitality industry restaurant mm-hmm. because people work for tip. Mm. So so many times that the servers in the restaurant in general we just come to check or at the table just how is everything and they just walked away. They did not even listen mm. about your Going answer. Through the motions. They just go through the motion. They have the spiel to say and that's what they do. At the end of the day, if they see the tip less than what they expected, fifteen percent of it means what did we do wrong? Right. Yeah. You may not do anything wrong, but that table might come from different culture that right. do not tip. Right. In Asia, people do things because they want to do it for you. Mm-hmm. They want nothing in return. You come to my restaurant. I want you to try my food. I love you to try my food. I put this on your table because I want you to try. You may not have to come back. You may not happy with my food. You may not, but I did my job. I did my part. I I get you to try my food, and I did it for my culture. I did it for me. Mm. So I think I think I remember you saying uh, hospitality is sincerity. Is that are those the words you used? The hospitality in Thailand is very sincere. So sincere and real is genuine. So describe what the feeling is that you get when you're giving hospitality. When I'm giving hospitality, yeah. like what is that sincere feeling that you get? The smile on, on you know, on people's face, and and that's that's make my day. I if you know little bit of any little thing that I do or did make people happy, put a smile on their face, I achieve my goal. Yeah, how does that make you feel though? What's happening inside? Fulfilling, of you? fulfilled, fulfilled. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it it completes us to make other people happy? Why? Because you know, to be a giver is better being a taker. Mm. I want to be a giver. I because you know I um, I know how it is to struggle, and I know how it is to to you know to be well taken care of as well. Because my husband Steve gave me everything I want, whatever I want. And his love is just I need endless. I Steve in my life. <laughs> I know. Everybody needs Steve in their life. And he's just, with his endless love and support that he gave me. I love that. It's gave me security. It's gave me the fulfillment. It's gave me, it's make me secure and it's make me feel like I have more to give. Mm. And I can do this. And plus the, that, you know, our family culture in Trang. That yeah. we always a giver, we always help our people. My father always help whoever that need to go to the hospital to get in, to see the doctor, to get the help they need. So I grew up that way. I grew up seeing people get help by our family. I love this. So, you know, all my cousins, you know, whatever we need from each other, we pick up the phone, we ride a motorbike, we said, this is what I need and it needs to be done now. And it's just like that. It's happened. And this is not people. This is not a powerful people. There's the school teacher. They are, you know, some of them are the housewife or wife or just like uncle that who you know have the rooster farm. But they make things happen for you whenever oh. you need help. They're there for you. Chef Nook, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. So oh. let's fast forward back to where we were. Mm-hmm. So your first lessons of hospitality from your family, from your mother, from your community, from your culture. Uh, you are a flight attendant. Um, you 
are getting exposure to all this beautiful, amazing food, um, first class food. Uh, we, this is also when you really start to have a passion for not just hospitality, but for food too, correct? Yes. Um, what happens next? Like, how did this influence you? How did this steer you going forward? Um, so, never have any plan, you know, just know that need to make money, send some money home so my mom can, uh, my, my two brothers can go to college. Um, so, what I did at the old day is will be each month I do the little spreadsheet. And then I listed how much my, you know, the house, the mortgage I have to pay, my brother tuition, the allowance, my mother allowance. And the last thing, how much left is me. Oh. I don't buy clothes. I buy food. <laughs> I buy food. And I will, you know, do anything to have good meal. I'll take my brother in the car. We go to Chinatown maybe once a month or whatever eat, we eat together. Or I go to supermarket. I get something to cook with uh, for them. And we just, you know. And that's, that's what I did. And I just did it for because I know I have responsibility. And everything is still about food, you yeah. know. But there's something very powerful about uh, allocating cash, which is what you're doing. I'm not doing that now. (laughs) But when money came in, uh, you said, okay, like these are my liabilities. Yes. Um, You know, we have to put some here, some here, some here, some here. Yes. But what happens when you just have cash coming into like one account, right, is you just think you have a bunch of money. But like if you start putting it where it belongs, then you realize, okay, this is really what I have. And that's such a powerful practice. Why is that so powerful? Why is it so powerful? Because I know that, you know, my family come first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then next, where is my happiness? Oh, food. So yeah. that money is going to go to good food. Right, right. Yes. I love that. And I like to say cash flow determines growth, right? So when you, more money starts coming in, oh, there's more. Like I, everything's paid. Now I have more. Yes. So now if I want to invest in something or if I want to get something, I know that like there's the money there for it. Yes. Right? Without putting yourself into trouble. No. Maybe getting, not paying one of your bills or something. Yes. Or not having enough money for food. Right. Because I know that the house been budgeted, the mortgage been budgeted, the car been budgeted. Everybody is just like right there. Yeah. Everything is being budgeted and the rest is that's for now, me. And now you can focus on what matters most. Yeah. Right? Food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so where were you going with this thought before I really broke it down? Like, continue that train of thought of your evolution of of you know where were you taking us before I kind of took you off track? Oh, uh, I got lost here. <laughs> it's okay. So uh, you were talking about um, the food. Um, you're, you're explaining to us like how you kind broken of it down, breaking down, and mm-hmm. make sure you could feed people and, mm-hmm. feed, and whatever was left over was your food. Mm-hmm. That's what you were saying. Like whatever money you had left, it would go towards food. Yes, that's. I think that's the last thing you said. Yeah. I'm not sure where you were going with that. Um, what, what did you do after aviation? After flight attendant, I was a flight attendant. I moved For back to long? Thailand, and then I joined Thai Airways. How long was that? Um, from 1994 to 2009. Oh wow! I was a flight attendant for a very long time. 15 years. So yes, all my life I been in hospitality industry. All oh. my life. So, what, what were the biggest lessons you learned as a flight attendant in terms of not necessarily the food, but hospitality and how to manage people and how to control angry people? You know, like what did you learn about? 
that that dance with people? Um, I learned that you know we cannot make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. We cannot, but we can try our best to achieve that. Mm-hmm. As long as we can walk away from that situation and knowing that we did our best, we did whatever we could. The rest is up to them. If they're still angry, it's not our problem. But we need to, you know, try. We need to push. We need to do whatever we can to make sure that I'm not going to regret that I did not do this. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what else? What else? Um. For like in that situation, yeah, like just um, I mean, you're giving hospitality, you're in the air, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I feel like there's a lot of um, social skill you need to be a flight attendant. Yes, yeah. Um, um I think d- lucky that I, I think I like to read people, mm-hmm. and I am fortunate enough that I've been exposed to so many cultures, and I saw lots of different people for the past twenty something years of being flight attendant. I I learned about the different of the culture and something that not like unacceptable for some culture is I make it acceptable because I I understand them you know like when people like or me like call you like sp- 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 you may not like it it's rude but no that's how people in some country get their attention they right. yes so and it's I think it's make me understand and once you have the basic understanding of the culture um, is is make I think I get like is broaden the way of I look at things yeah yeah when you don't know much about different cultures you jump to conclusions yes yeah right? you think you know what's happening but when you take the time to really understand what does this mean in that person's culture like it you're able to walk yourself off the cliff yes of, of getting irritated because right. you know maybe i just don't get it from their perspective so yes you, that's a very powerful i mean i think that's a huge lesson for people working in hospitality right and when you get irritated do not engage just mm. smile and walk away why because you know, is taking higher road always a good idea? Mm. Not like I can do it every day, but the minute that it's happened to me, I always just walked away, and and once I look back, I would thanks myself that yeah, I'm yeah. glad I walked away. And you you were a flight attendant, and you owned a restaurant, an Italian restaurant, yes. and. You had a jewelry store. Yes, I part- I helped my close friend that we grew up together run her jewelry business, and it was a lot of fun. So, how did you have time to open a restaurant while being a flight attendant? Was it a partner? Um, Do you have other people? Yes, involved? my ex-husband. Okay. Um, we met in his brother restaurant, and then we got married, and he decided to open his own restaurant so I helped him where was this? in Bangkok Sukhumvit 31 yeah I still own that building what did you learn about owning a restaurant? this is your first exposure to owning a restaurant painful what were the biggest (laughs) lessons? tell me your your biggest pain points the biggest one is you cannot trust anybody Mm. you cannot even the closest person to you you cannot Mm. Um, and you know, like I said, how I budget myself every month and all of that, the spreadsheet, how important it is. You have to close, take a closer look to the financial and like 
don't do not take your eyes off. You know that you said earlier that you're not good at math, though. I am not good, <laughs> but I I know what to do. <laughs> so what do you do? Um. So I think you know when. So let's go back. Like when we opened the our tiny restaurant, um, we were in very bad shape for like four or five months. It was bad enough that I had to take the loan. I have to um, pawn my engagement ring. Oh, wow. I I don't have money, but. I, because I'm a hustler, I, you know, I did whatever I could you find to, a way. to fi- I find a way and I find a way every day. I really hustle hard to keep that little place going. And, and it's just, I've been working for, you know, every day, 365 days a year for four years, for four years, nonstop. And to, to keep that place going. Be- between the restaurant, between the flight attendant job, and going home to take care of my mother, mm. I never stop. So in the early, you said the first what was a couple months, four months. You 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 almost lost it. Like it was. I almost yes. What was the struggle specifically? What didn't you understand? What didn't you predict? Um, I trusted my ex husband. I thought he could run the business, but then I know that you know. Money, once when money comes between any couple or any business partner, it's, it's bad. Mm. So that's when I step up and take control. Do you think that he had bad intent or maybe just didn't know better? I think, you know, people just look at things differently. Yeah. And, and sometimes when, when you're not strong enough, people will take advantage of you. Okay. Because the end of the day, you know... Nobody loved the other people more than themselves. So do you think you were being taken advantage of? I did. I was, mm-hmm. yes. But I had my mom that, you know, she is very strong. Whenever I call her, I always get a good advice. I have very good support system. All my friends in Thailand, you know, we, we are more like sister. Yeah. So, you know, that helped me through the tough time. And, and then I have a very good product. Our restaurant was wonderful. Were you the cook or was he the cook? He, none of us was the cook. Okay. But we have a very good cook and I travel. Okay. And I have very good taste about food. Got it. Whatever we put on the menu is different. And he is one of the best maitre d'. Um, he would go table from table to table, talk to people, entertain people, and I did the same thing. I learned from him. Mm. I learned from him. He would take the full trays of the food that we have in the restaurant, the you know, protein, vegetable, portobello, truffle, foie gras. We displayed on the tray, and we just go to the tab- table to table, talk to people, and show them what we have. And that's how we sell. Because those stuff, they're not cheap. We have Wagyu, we have truffle, we have Tasmanian lobster. So this is what you learn from him, how to sell. Yes, how but to sell. What is it about this approach that works so well? Um, the sincerity, the genuine, the hospitality, the charm. Yeah. Make people feel like they are at home. Make people feel welcoming. You know, the way to their heart and then the way to their pocket. So this approach of uh, putting the food on the tray and walking around, how did that accomplish what you just said? Um, I, I'm still doing the same thing yeah. here, but I didn't put the food on the tray. Okay. I am the tray. 
What do you mean? My my way my my staff here they are the tray of the food because they have a lot of knowledge to share. They we take our time at each table, and we share about what we know with you. Mm. And I had uh, Anna last night. Yes, she was amazing, and she sold me on the prong. Yes, Um, and I'll take us through the. the service of prong, like how you guys do that here. Mm-hmm. The prong. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, the real what, prong, kung menam. Yeah, so you bring the plate over, yes. right? And there's a whole See, process. it's on the tray. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so describe it because you could, you could describe it better. Than yeah, so, you know, I think people, it's take me back to my mm-hmm. Italian restaurant. So, in the, back at the old day, I love to eat mud crab, female mud crab. They have like Big bright orange roll, which we use it here in our one of our dish, Pupat Pongkari, the crab in curry powder. I love that female mud crab so much. I love eating them. Those are two things that I love in life. Three, I love female mud crab with lots of raw bukai. I love river prawn with big bright orange tamales. Yeah, it was I so think good. I love colors <laughs> and I love wagyu. Mm. Oh, and truffle. Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, I created one dish in the restaurant, the female mud crab with capellini, okay. dry chili, Thai chili, and Thai basil, mm. and it became a huge hit. But f- at first, we served it wet. Your mouth, <laughs> yeah. Well, my mouth is getting wet right your now. Mom, yeah, Can you I hear it? Like am I like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I don't I'm thinking it. about that dish and I'm smiling. Um, so when I first doing that, Tony, my ex husband said, "Who gonna shell that crab?" I said, I am doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, because I need to, like, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And I want to sell that. So, I'm shelling the crab myself. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, okay. And people really love it because Thai people, they love the best service. They want to see the detail when they, you have to, you can eat crab without you getting your hand dirty. You see that bright orange roll. So, I created a presentation that, you know, the capellini, crab meat on the top and the roll on the top is like nice presentation and the crab shell like on the side so it was a huge hit and that's got me to like thinking it's, it's just in my head so when I opened the first restaurant we do Branzino the one in Italian market planning okay. now I did it table side we fill it table side right and so when I want to do the river prawn here People don't know how to eat that river prawn. If they just dive into the tamales at first because it's bright orange, it's like, you know, ice catching, it's fishy. Yeah. So how do we do it? How do we get our clients to know how to eat you the right way? Them. How do we create the interaction about from our server, our runner, with the customer? How we do we make it personal? Yeah. Kalaya is very personal. So that's why I... Did that the first month I've been going around every table, did it myself, mm. to the point that now the server, the run, uh, and then after after a few weeks, server and runner they want to learn. Yeah, and this and, is all tying together because yes. earlier you were saying uh, the importance of oh I just had it. There's a lot of things I'm keeping in my head right now because I'm loving what you're sharing and I'm I'm trying to keep it all together. But um, one thing that you said earlier that I think is really important is that we don't understand other cultures, right? No. Especially around food. Food is one of the most primal 
things of a culture. It's the it's it's, it's it defines us, right? Yes. But you bring a plate over, you bring all these little sides over. I don't know what to do with that. Yes. And there's the culture is the way to that is it's it's the the act of eating. It's it's everything and how to do it. Unless you grew up in that culture, you wouldn't know how to experience it the best way. Exactly. And you think you mentioned too. I don't know if it was in our conversation in my research that um, Thai food's very spicy, you know, but it's also very spicy for Westerners because we don't know how to eat it. Yes. We go straight in. Yeah. So I'm going to share a quick story. When I was in Thailand for the very first time, uh, I went uh, to a, it was a bar and there was like a little, uh, like a cafe next door and like they would bring food like they just walk food over to all the bars right and i was like what do i need to have this is my first meal here in thailand like what do i need to have and they they it was the beef that you talked about that super spicy beef and it's like the color the the beef turns red it's so hot like and they made it thai hot for me Mm -hmm. because i wanted to experience thai culture and i ate that small it wasn't that small but i ate that plate over the week because it was so spicy that i had to cut it I had to add to it, just but then I didn't realize that's what you're supposed to do. So you're supposed to take a little bit of the, the ground beef, yes. right, and combine it with other stuff. Yes, and like it's that's one cool thing about Thai food is that it's it's not just the food; it's the the, the approach to how you eat it. You combine it, you, you bring it together. Um, so back to my experience last night, um, I would have so the way that they bring it over the the, the prong is on a plate. Uh, there's some other things on the plate too. Yes, all there's the a, a condiments. Of, yeah, there's a bowl of rice, and mm-hmm. then there's a bunch of little cups all like a little yes. bowls all around. Yeah, I would have just went around and ate a little bit of this, a little bit of that, or a little bit of this. But the way to eat the plate is to combine it all. I would have yes. never figured that out. So, and there's going to be I recorded this, so there's going to be B-roll playing, mm-hmm. so our listeners can see what we're actually talking about. Anna brought the plate over. She she. She pulled the prong apart. Yes. She combined the, all the ingredients and the rice and tossed it together. And that it's the combination of all those ingredients that makes the plate at once. I would have never known that. But also, it was fun to watch. It was exciting to see that and to, to learn the culture. And guess what happened? When Anna walked away, the table next to me said, what is that? Yes. What's going on? So you're proving your point right now to come full circle that it does. It's a natural. It's it's when you when you do these things when you take your time to be present at the table and to show people. It's an experience. It's a show, and other people take interest. And guess what? I'm pretty sure they ordered the same thing. Yes, and and you know doing this is just like this is the classic uh, restaurant approach. French have pressed duck that mm. they come and press it at the table, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, crepe Suzette, they do it at the table side. Sabayon, yeah. table side. We have this in every culture, Peking duck. Yeah. So why not Thai food? Right. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Yes. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so where were we? You're talking about what you learned and how, what this chef taught you and how he taught you how to sell. And that's how we got down this path. Yes. Um, I'm having a lot of fun talking to you. Can you oh. believe we're already 40 minutes into the really? conversation? Doesn't it go by fast? Yeah, and I'm, I know I'm all over the place no, because it's my mind is super fast. Yeah, yeah. But I want to make sure we, we, we leave plenty of time to talk about where you are today and what's mm-hmm. going on today. So um, in your journey, um, the year you were a flight attendant from, you said, until 2009. Yes. 
I met hi, my husband in 2006, and then I start traveling to America. Okay. And then there was a recession. Thai Airways offer um, leave without pay for two years. So okay. I just, I cannot miss that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> because we got married in 2008, and um, that's when I start apply for green card. Okay. So when um, there is a chance to come and you know spend more time with him. I just grab it. I took two years leave of absence without knowing what I am going to do here, but just like, you know, hoping that I will spend more time with him and take it easy a little bit. Okay. And that's what I did. And then when did you move to the United States? 2010. 2010. And you moved to Philadelphia. I was in Philadelphia for just a few months, and then I enrolled to culinary school in New York. I went to French culinary school in Soho, so I moved to New York. I was in New York for eight months. What school were you at? French culinary oh, school, sorry. FCI. Sorry said that. Yeah. I, I apologize. Um, okay, I think now's a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about how your life kind of pivoted when you came stateside. This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. Look. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and email sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit Owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Technologies, Inc. RTI's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process. With total oil management, you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery, filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting, easy oil disposal, used cooking oil pickup and recycling, and say goodbye to those messy, dangerous restaurant rendering tanks. Yuck. RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. RTI services are not limited to oil. They also provide insurance premiums and automated hood cleaning solutions plus hood filtration systems, making your hood cleaning process easy, automatic, and worry-free. In addition to all this, Restaurant Technologies, Inc. can help you reduce your carbon footprint, which we all know is becoming increasingly more important to the consumer. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. We are back and the year in your timeline is 2010. You come to America, uh, you're newly married. Steve is the man. Zeef. Zeef. Oh, thank you very much. Zeef is the man. Um, And uh, like, tell me, um, you know, what's going through your mind 
when you're here. You're not working, right? So you have time to kind of reflect and figure out what you want to do. What was your next plan of action? Be a housewife. Oh, how did that go? Oh, my. (laughs) Wonderful. I love being a housewife. I was so excited when... I quit my job and I told everybody I'm moving to America. Not excite, not the not ex, the excitement of moving to America, but the excitement of being a housewife. So I can cook, I clean. And you work so hard I for so long. I can garden. Yeah. I can go to yoga. So as was just something that I really look. It's never part of the plan in my life. <laughs> yeah. Never thought that one day I would get a chance to quit my job at the age of forty come to America and do nothing. Mm. Doing nothing is such a luxurious thing for me. Like, I am ready. How did, did you, was it what you expected, doing nothing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it hard for you to do nothing after being so busy for so long? No. <laughs> I love I, the honesty. I love doing nothing. I can stay in bed all day and read the book. So, but you, you know. didn't do nothing for long. No, not very <laughs> long. So I... I came in 2010 that when I really moved here and I I went to culinary school. Um, after school, I did my internship at John George and then, you know, I spent that time cooking in my own apartment with the technique that I learned from school. Um, and I start, you know, digging into my memories and taking uh, a journey and the first thing that I learned to cook was my chicken curry with the coconut rice because that's something that my great-grandmother used to cook for me. And I remember the flavors. I remember how delicious it, it was. But my mother can't tell me how my great-grandmother did it. So I did it and then I perfected it. I make it into my own version. And, and that I spent lots of time after school cooking in the apartment. Mm. And... And that's what I did. Trying to, to figure out to just how you To figure out, it. yes. So cook. Did you ever figure it out? Yes, I did. What and was the I, secret? Can you tell us? I can't. Okay. It's in my cookbook, so buy the book. Whenever oh, it's come out. Do you have any copies here? Not, no, it's, it's going to be out next year. Oh, okay. I'll definitely yes. be getting that. Um, so I would say, you know, going to culinary school is just, open up the other world for me. It's just like I have a lot of memories about food in my head. I just don't know what to do with it. But And then one day, you know, that I went to the school. Now I know. I know where does that come from, how I could get there. Even one that I have one dish in my head, how would I do it? How would I make it? I learn a lot from school. So the culinary school gave you the skills you needed to reverse engineer the memories. You the have. memories, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, why, why did you feel like you needed to go to culinary school? What was after, I mean, you know, after working so hard your entire life, multiple jobs, working every day, you said, for four years, you find Zeef and he um, gives you a path out of that lifestyle where you can slow down and reflect why did you think you needed to go to culinary school? What, what, what were you trying to prove something, or was it just for your own interest? Like, um, I we were traveling and I was watching Julia vs. Julia. Yeah, 
um, on the plane, and I turned to Ziva and said, "I'm going to culinary school. I know what to do when I quit my job." <laughs> and Ziva like, "Okay." <laughs> so when we came back to New York, he took me to you know to see the school, and I enroll. Yeah, and. It's just it's supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be just like me ease myself into the retirement life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and we doing renovation at our house in Philly then. So the best way for me is just you know go BBC somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Off air, you mentioned that um, you you felt like you were never taken seriously because you were a flight attendant and you owned a restaurant and yes. you would try to tell people that like about the business of restaurants so people just would kind of shrug you off because who are you to t- like you're a flight yes. attendant what do you talk like what yeah. do you know yes so do, did you think that by going to culinary school people would take you more seriously no okay <laughs> <laughs> so i just i just want to do it and the thing is you know i never i never have a feeling that i have to prove myself to anyone i'm good enough mm. i always tell myself that i'm good enough for today, I'm good enough, and I can do better tomorrow. I don't have that insecurity that I have to prove myself because I'm a female, I'm Asian. I don't have that feeling. I look at myself as one individual who is gifted, who is talented, and who have the strong will to pursue her dream. That's me. Mm. Yeah. Has that always been you? Always. <laughs> Very you, persistent. What do you have for people who maybe you're listening to this and they're like, that's not me. I, I need to be more like Nook. How do you, how do you become more like Nook? You how cannot you- be me and I cannot <laughs> be you. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be persistent. You know, nothing come easy, but, but if you take, you know, take every day, day by day, one day at a time, one thing at a time, think by the end of the day, think about what you did today. What is good, what is bad, what you can do better, what you would never do again about what you did today. And that's what I did. That's what I, you know, I've been doing that every day before I go to bed. And in the morning, I woke up, I told myself in the morning, what am I going to do today? What I said yesterday that made me regret, I would never do that again. How would I do better? Mm. And that's, you know, that's my mantra, my morning mantra before I, I get that. out of bed. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you opened Kalea in 2000. Kalea. Uh, Ka- <laughs> I'm so sorry. I will never say it as amazing. I'll try to be better though. Uh, Kalea. Did I do it better that time? It's okay. Oh, you uh, pass. Uh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I am not getting hired here. That's for sure. Um, so you opened 2019, correct? 2019. Yes. April 10, 2019. Um, and you graduate culinary school in 2010, 2011? 2011, May 2011. And you worked for John George? I was intern for John George. Okay. Um, Nukatin. So much. So what, when did you stop? Your, when did you complete your, 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 your education, your, your, your obligation to your education? When? Yeah. Two, that was that 2011? 2011. Okay. So yeah. um, what happened in that eight years from 2011 to 2019 that made you come out of retirement and open a restaurant? So I learned to garden. (laughs) (laughs) And I, after I graduated, I went to France to just, you know, 
See, if I like the kitchen life. I work in two Michelin star in Provence, and they kicked me out of the kitchen because I was yelling at the CDC. They were drunk, and I don't like it. Mm. I don't like that culture, so yeah. I was very blunt. So they just invite me out, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back to Thailand, pick up my my Pomeranian Tong, brought him back to America. So you know, I spent um, my years after culinary school. Stay home, cooking, cleaning, walk my dog, garden, hang out with the neighbors, and I. Kitchen was my playground. I've been very good friend with Sal's at Claudio, and he called my kitchen Knox Lab, because <laughs> I always talk. Yeah, I I know him by going to his store, and we became good friend and. I hang out with him almost every day at the store. We sit in the office. We talk about Italian food, and then I'll cook. I bring it over to him. I bake, you know. And that's how I start my retirement life in Philadelphia. I share my food with my neighbors and friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going back full circle. This is the life you grew up in, right? Yes, it's food, a, that sharing, culture, of culture sharing. giving. What happens? When you give, 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 share, share, share over time, people look at me like, "Are you crazy? This woman is crazy," and but I just like I miss home. Yeah. I need to cook. Yeah. I need to perfect this Penang recipe. And when people told me that they like Thai food, and I said, "Really? You know Thai food well?" Because I never see any Thai restaurant in Philadelphia that is just like cooking real Thai food. Let me make you some curry. And plus, I grew up helping my mother make curry paste, so it's just like now I have time. I have big kitchen. Um, we build beautiful kitchen at home, and you know I get all the toys and tools that I wanted, and I just like play with it every day. I go to the the grocery store. I you know I perfected my green curry recipes. I make panang. I make masaman, and I don't. Want to eat? Zip is not home. Zip travel a lot. So my neighbor, they are my best <laughs> so you're friend. Cooking all this food with give nobody it to eat give it, it away. Give it, give it away. Give it away. Oh, give it man, away. I for nine neighbor. years. For nine years. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. what ends up happening? What did this lead to? So people start asking about me cater for them, and um, I have and one of the. A friend, she came to me. She said she's interested in looking for, you know, culinary school experience and all of that. I said, you know, you don't need that because we work every day. You are a mother. You cook for your family every day. If you know, I'm looking to do something in the future. You can do it with me. So then, you know, we started a small catering company. Yes, called NH Cook Nook and Hester. Okay. Yes, and we cater. What year is that? Um, how much before opening? How much before? I think it's probably about 2015, okay. between 15 to 18. Okay. Yeah. And this was just for fun? Just for fun. Yeah. And it's done in my kitchen. <laughs> and we used the walk-in at Claudio's. <laughs> so, go ahead. To store the food. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, Sal. <laughs> so, uh, from 2015 to 2019, mm-hmm. did you, like, like? How did the business evolve during that time? It's getting bigger. I bet. <laughs> people love the food because we are afraid to charge people. It's so like, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how I did it. But because I use the credit card to buy the, the ingredients and <laughs> then I get all the money transferred to my account and I never have to pay the credit card <laughs> bill. So it's a great business model. 
and Sib was happy <laughs> because instead of giving the food away, it's still the same money you know spend. He still see the same number, yeah. but my account is growing, so it's just it's not a bad thing. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, that, so, that's funny. I know. So what? Like what? How did that? lead to where you are today i'm looking for a bigger kitchen because the last catering is what 130 people uh we did crock bush big beautiful um beautiful uh patachus flower um towers with pulled uh, sugar and we did a lot of the dessert and food for 130 people. That's when I told Sip that I need to find a kitchen. Yeah. I cannot do this from our kitchen. It's too much of a risk. Got it. And so I was looking for the kitchen to do catering. Okay. And I never find any bar, any place that I like. I have very small budget in mind. And one day I found this, the restaurant in, in Bella Vista, the First where is color, that yeah. Relative to where we are, seven sixty four South Nine, next to Rouse. Okay, so for those who aren't familiar with Philadelphia, is it northeast, southeast? It's Italian market. Okay, got yeah, it. south. And um, right now we're in like you call it like North Philly, right? Or I fish, do not know. Do mark? not ask me about direction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are north of Philadelphia. We're still in Philadelphia, but it's a it's not like an emerging. It's like a momentum community where it's a lot of new buildings a lot of old buildings being it's a lot of young people around yes yeah yeah Yeah. but over there is a lot of families and the restaurant was small 35 seat i fall in love with the space was this 2019 2019 so this location that we're we're at today isn't the original no it is not we opened this in november november yeah I, I, i was a little confused so that makes sense now yeah so um, so you, you open, when you open, it was just meant to be catering. Uh, no, when I saw the space, I want a restaurant. Okay. I, I want a restaurant when I saw the space. I said, this is cute. I can open the restaurant. How does Zeev feel? He said no. Okay. When, whatever Zeev said no, I always hear it as a yes. So I'm like, okay, let's go talk to the landlord. But, Nook gets you, what Nook wants. <laughs> Nook gets what Nook wants, and Nook already signed the check. Okay. <laughs> I gave him the check since the first day I saw him, before, my, before I told my husband. Okay. Yeah. I gave him $4,000 check. I said, this is for negotiation. I want to have the skin in the game. I learned that word. <laughs> skin in the game. Yeah. I think it's cool. So I said, you know. Money talks. Money talks. Yeah. Yes, my check. You can cash it today or you can keep it. It's up to you. But I am really serious about this place. Yeah. So, and then I told Zeev and Zeev came to see the space and, and Zeev was very reluctant. Yeah. And what does Zeev do? Zeev is, uh, he teach at Penn. Zeev teach at Wharton. He's okay. a professor. What does he teach? Um, finance, operation oh. and management. That is a good person to have in your corner. Zeev is the best person to have in every corner. Yeah. <laughs> super smart, super caring, and funny. So did you ever, is he ever in the picture? Does he ever weigh in? Does he ever offer counsel? Or is he kind of just staying? At the, the beginning, no. No. He just, he let me do it. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, Steve never changed since day one that I met him. He always my number one supporter. And he... 
was the first one who told me that I'm very gifted. Even this morning, we talk about it. He said, "Baby, you remember when you asked me to print out the recipes back when you first came to America? Because I don't know how to use the internet. I don't know how to use computer. I don't know how to use printer. Yeah. Sip did all that for me." And then I will go through all the recipe. I'll throw it away. I'll make it my own. So Sip said, "I know that you are very unique. You are very talented, and I, I believe in you." What is your gift? My What, gift? Yeah. Nothing. You just said that he said you're so <laughs> gifted and talented. That's what Sip told me. But what does he see in you? If he, if I were if he was sitting food. here, I know food. I can see through it. Mm. I can see through it. And I don't compromise about my food. Mm. Everything has to be the best. It's not just food. Everything in my life, uh, it has to be the best. The best one that I can afford. If I cannot afford it, I'll make it happen. Mm. So, and that goal is not. And it became like it's not just food. The care that I have to my people, to my customers, to my staff, to people around me. Everything has to be the best. Mm. I, I want to give. Everyone in my life, the best I could give them. I love this, and I mean, we're not really getting into a lot of like the nitty gritty detail of opening restaurants, running restaurants, systems, processes, stuff like that. But what we are getting is this amazing mindset of abundance and just giving and giving yes. and giving and giving. And when you do that, when you give, 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 the universe finds this way to to reciprocate. And yes. to create opportunity and to give back, um, and it sounds like that's kind of how you built your business, just by by being so generous, by yes. by making sure your cup's full, yes. so you can fill other people's cup. Exactly, because I never have to worry about money. I never have to worry about money. You know, we open this the first restaurant with our own money. Mm -hmm. We don't take the loan. We open this restaurant. We. Steve gave me some fun. He funded me. We don't take the loan again. We had the best partner. I never have to worry about how do I run my business. I just worry about how do I make people happy. How do I make people love my food? How would I give them the best possible on you know for them on that table to make them walk out of my place smiling and think about. When are they coming back next? Yeah, that's my job. So this first restaurant, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, any advice on opening a restaurant? Things you learn. I mean, you, this is your second restaurant now, technically. Yeah. So what advice? Like third, the, third, third, third. The so first one in Bangkok. Well, yeah. So New York. That's right. No, New York. The first one in no, Bangkok. Why am, I, why am I saying New York? Bangkok. Thank you. Um, Italian market and the, now Fishtown. Italian market and now Fishtown. Was it? What was the name of the first? The sorry, I guess your second restaurant in the Italian market. The the first one was Kalaya too. Okay, Kalaya. yeah, Kalaya. Mm -hmm. Um, how has it evolved? What was it then versus what it is now? Same person doing the same thing with bigger team. Okay. Um, how many how many seats before? Thirty five. Thirty five. And during pandemic, we expand to be seventy. I rent. The corner building, so I can have the right to use the sidewalk and and the street, the street trees. Was defined hospitality in the picture at this point? We were talking about Kalaya Fish Town since 2019 November. Okay, and a little context for the listeners: defined hospitality. Uh, I had Al Lucas and Greg Root on the show. They were amazing guests. Um, 
when did you first cross paths with them? I know Greg since um, I came to America to be with Zeeb. Was he one of your neighbors? <laughs> no, Greg worked at Pod and Zeeb teach at Wharton. So Zeeb okay. adored Greg. Okay. And Greg saw my restaurant in Bangkok. He went to my Italian oh, restaurant really? when he I took the trip to, to Thailand. Is it, still, is it still in business? No, oh, it's, okay. it's French now. I still own the building. Um, and they serve one of the best homemade French food in Bangkok. Um, so I know Greg since then. And there were one night that I came to Hungry Pigeon to pick up slash chocolate cake for Ziv. And that evening, Roland, Greg, and Nick came out of the restaurant. And I say hi to them. I said, hey, what are you guys doing here? Um, and I was joking to Greg about, do you want to fund me? I'm opening a, I want to open a restaurant. He said, how many seats? I said, 35. He said, too small. <laughs> I said, I want to serve Thai food, authentic Thai food. And it's going to be small. It's going to be personal. He said, no, we're opening the restaurant in the hotel. I said, okay, you'll be regret." And then I walked away. <laughs> Back then, trust me, I don't even have any ideas I'm going to open the restaurant. I just, like, I was kidding with them. Yeah, I just being playful. being playful with Greg and, and Nick. And I did not even know Roland then. Yeah. And then when I started to open the restaurant, Greg Root, is, which was my number one supporter, beside my husband, he helped me. He just gave me all the advice. What advice did he give you? What was the most significant advice? Any, you know, it's just anything that I need. It's countless. Anytime I have trouble looking for something, um, finding the advice, I call Greg. And Greg will be there for me. Like, instantaneously. Greg, show up. Give me... An example, a pain point, a struggle you faced that led to you calling Greg? Um, before I opened the restaurant, after the shop opening, my partner then walked. Left? Left. Oh, man. But she came back. Okay. And I, um, but I was determined that this restaurant need to be open no matter what. I called Greg. Greg came. I remember Amalia was so tiny then. <laughs> His daughter, she was wearing sunglasses. I met her last night. Oh, she's so cute. She is adorable. She her, is. His son is, yes. is like beautiful. Too. And he just, you know, he hold my hand and he just make sure that this place can open no matter what. Yeah, but um, luckily that she came, the partners, the former partners came back and we can get that open. So, what advice did he give you in that moment when you reached out to him? Um, he just like, hey, we got you. And that's what Greg always said. I got you. Yeah. We got you. Yeah. No matter what happens, Greg would say, hey, we got you. Is there yeah. a specific story you can think of when you reached out to him for, when you needed an answer, where you mm-hmm. didn't know about something and you needed an answer? What was the challenge and what was the answer he gave you? Um, so whenever I look for the person, like I look for the um, People, uh, the person who can help me to get the health inspection and all of that, you know, the food safety consulting. So he knew. He he knew people. He connect me to the right people. He gave me good reference and, yeah. I think you mentioned it, but how did you, when did you first come across Greg? What was the first time you you met him? Two thousand seven. But was what was the? How did you meet him? At pot. pot what is pot? 
part is the restaurant in University oh, City. Oh, is that one of his Star. restaurants? Oh, Stephen Star. That's great work there as a manager. Thank you. Yeah, I did. I should know this. I interviewed Greg, but it was a few months ago, and I talked to a lot of people. I see. Yeah, Greg Root. That's right. So you were a guest at Pot. Yes. Okay. Because he was a guest too. Got it. And then, yeah. So, and we we became friends. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you when? So you said November. This is a you opened in November of this year. What what day is it now? It's almost a year. Almost a year. Ten months ago. Yes. Ten months ago. So how did you make that transition from being a, a solo restaurateur on your own, no partners, um, to joining Define Hospitality Group? Why did you make that decision to join Define? The plan when I opened the first restaurant was I'm going to close in five years. I just want to do it. It's supposed to be my hobby. The plan was to not close in five years? To Wait, close and oh. go home and be a housewife okay. again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> So much for that. <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> but then, you know, when I got my business running, I got a lot of attention. Yeah. And I have staff. So this... this they the cannot leave those people. Mm. No, they are my people. They are my family. They've been with me from day one. I still have a lot of my day one here in this restaurant. I and And I look at them like, they deserve a better life because one... Uh, each one of my people, they have families. Yeah. How many mouths that we fed from this tiny little restaurant? We have, I have responsibility to them. I want them to have health insurance. I want them to have the basic leave. I want them to have a better management than me taking care of them. I want this to be a real job. I want them to have the job securities. And, and it's not about me. It's about my people, mm. about my team, they help me. They give me, you know, what I, I, what the goal that I achieve or the accolade is not just me. It's my team. It takes an army. It's my team. It's yeah. my loyal team that they have my back. So that's when I decided, you know, either I go big or I go home. And I think partner up with Define Hospitality is the best de- decision. Is my is the best business decision I ever made. All these gentlemen, they just take good care of me. They are more like my brothers. They are more like my work husbands. Now I have four husbands. <laughs> oh my god! And plus one at home. <laughs> Jesus Christ, God help me. I love them all. And they all, you know, they supported me in each one of them have different strengths and yes. they're complimenting each other. Yes. And I know that I am in good hands. Yes. So this is a very sensitive subject, a very controversial subject, this idea of to have partners or mm-hmm. to not have partners. Have partners. Why partners. is that the best way? Partner with someone you can trust. Um, I well, don't want to be a you lone said wolf. Earlier today, that trust you can't trust anybody. Exactly, but partner with someone that you can trust. Okay. Trust has to be earned. Mm. If someone proves to you that you can trust them, that's your partner. Mm-hmm. That your partners. I do trust my partners. I question them, they question me. And whatever that we 
answer that we give to each other is super transparent, and that's trust. That's the relationship. So, what makes a good partnership is uh, being able to challenge each other. And yes. To listen. Uh, transparency. Transparency. What else? We are in this together. Mm-hmm. We got you, and you are our family. Yeah, and you. Alluded to something else, which I think is really important. Um, what would you say your and boundaries? Are? Boundaries. How do you set those boundaries? Um, I would say that I'm very strong and stubborn person. I focus on my food, and the food is my boundaries. No one can cross that. No one. And their territories are management, helping me grow. Running this restaurant, and so each one of us, we have our clear boundaries. We may cross it sometime, but you know the communication, the communication between each one of us, always. You know, we nothing ever, you know, gets simmer too long. Mm. We always clear the air out and very blunt and very straightforward. And I know that anything happen in Kalaya, I can turn to each one of my partners anytime, and I, they have my back. Yes, and um, I mean I lean in the direction of partnerships. I think to, for every reason you just listed, especially as we go forward, I think it's more and more competitive. The industry is more and more competitive. Yes, and you, there's more and more. I think a restaurant tour has to be responsible for today. Yes. It's not just cooking anymore. No. It's not just managing books. Yes. It's not just leading a team. It's about people. It's, yeah, it's about people, but it's also um, the, the, the world of technology, like the digital world. Like the restaurants are spilling outside of the four walls, mm-hmm. and you need PR, you need marketing, you need technology, you need all these different things to be competitive today, to go neck and neck with the best. Yes. And I, you would have to be a freak of nature. To, to be good at all those things. Yes. Or you can know what you're good at. And find a good partner. And, and yes, yeah, stay your, in your lane, have your boundaries, yes. and complete yourself and, and go further together. Exactly. Together we are stronger. Yes. And like I said, you know, lone wolf is sounds very lonely. Mm. I never want to be that person. It I want to have friends. I can speak. I'm on the road a lot by myself. Yes. It gets lonely. And I, I want to have friends. I want to have someone who I can turn to beside my husband. Yeah. And Community. communities. Yes. It's and my team here. We have the best team. We have a very good culture. We create one of the best work culture, work environment. And that's all because of, you know, I partner up with someone who have the same belief mm. who think that p- people are their priorities and that's that's defy hospitality that's yeah. my partners right yeah. there yeah yeah you said that you have people working with you today that have been with you since the, be- the very they're beginning. zero <laughs> zero they're zero yes they're zero they're zero before i opened the restaurant miles jamal came to me like no i want to work with you i said I don't know whether I have money to open this restaurant yet. He said, eight dollar an hour cash. I want to work with you. And he's he's still with me since. So uh, a little teaser. Ed Doherty, mm-hmm. we just let him in. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ed and maybe either Greg or Al. We're not too sure. Um, through, I think Greg. Yeah, so through the... Um, 
through defined hospitality, I learned about predictive index. Did you go through the predictive index? I did. Do you know what your um, your ident like your what do they call it? Uh, profile? Persuader. What's that? Persuader. Persuader. Do you remember what that I means? I get shit done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you like? Talk to us about a persuader and, uh, and your the strengths of a persuader. I don't remember you anything you told me. <laughs> no, you know, I bet I do know who would know. I'll ask Ed later. You can ask Ed later. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what, a little teaser, if you're listening to this, I think this will be going live before that episode. So we learned about predictive index, which is a behavioral analysis. Yes. Um, and it helps you understand who you are and who your team members are and how to help them succeed and become more self-aware about, we're just talking about the power of people, how important people are. Yes. Um, and when you fully, deeply understand your people and discover what they need to thrive and what you need to thrive, and you can, it just creates so much awareness. Um, I know that's not your strength, your your food. <laughs> no. So I won't make you go any deeper. And the persuader. And persuader. <laughs> um, but you can't speak to that that to that um, that strength. How do you persuade people? How do you? What what advice do you have for us to become for us to become better persuaders? Um. For me, I think, you know, if I want something, I work hard for it. I work toward it. I set the goal, I'll go for it. And I know I will get it. Like, I opened the restaurant because I was wondering about Craig LeBan. I was wondering about James Beard. I want it. I want that to happen to me. Why did you want it? Just to shake the box. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? You know? It's a good goal. Setting the goal. Yeah. Work hard. Focus. I am laser focused when it's come to something that I'm really interested in. And then I know that I will get it. But if I didn't get it, I'm not regretted because I know I did my best. Mm. You know, I did whatever I could at the full capacity of my ability to make it happen. Yeah. Before I let Ed in, I think I was asking you about um, the longevity from day one, before, from day zero, mm-hmm. you have people working for you today. Yes. That work They're for all you here. Um, what is it about you and what you do? What advice do you have for us? I don't know. Did you? Did I cut you short or did you answer that question? No, you didn't ask me that yet. Okay. So, yeah, what advice? I mean, in, in a world where one of the biggest challenges right now is people mm-hmm. and attracting people and keeping people. Yes. What advice do you have? What do you do? What can we all do to keep people? Be specific. Keeping people is mean you keep good people. Mm. Not all people you want to keep. Mm. Right? Not all people that come to this revolving door that you want to keep them forever. We go through, you know, a lot of staff. Whoever we, you know, love us, understand our value, we would love to have them. Mm-hmm. But everyone comes from different background. To be able to be in the same community, the same organization, you have to be compatible. The value, what we believe and that's what important. You have to believe in the same value. You have to have the same level of respect that you have. You and I, we are, I'm not your boss. You are not my employees. We are family. We work together. We make things happen together. We share the same belief. Mm-hmm. 
If you and I are not sharing the same belief, I am not for you, you're not for me. What can we do to make sure from day one we are sharing the same beliefs? Things change all the time. People grew apart. People change. People, People become, change. Yeah. As long as we can maintain the same level of professionalism, same level of respect, we can be together for a long time. Yes. The minute that, you know, we feel, we feel like that quality deteriorating is heading to different direction, then that is something that we need to reevaluate our relationship. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be back to start talking about where you are today and where we're going. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and labor cost in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time on creating great guest experience. Margin Edge combines purchases from your invoices and sales data from your POS, which allows you to get real-time costing, get a daily controllable P&L, and send information directly into your accounting system. Margin Edge integrates with 60-plus POS systems and dozens of accounting systems. Manage everything from one central location, inventory, recipes, plate costs, ordering, and bill pay. Margin Edge was created by restaurant people for restaurant people. And as a matter of fact, Margin Edge founders continue to operate restaurants to this day. Head to MarginEdge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's MarginEdge.com slash unstoppable. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. P. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back in. So 2022. Sorry. Yeah. Two, 
November 2022, you're in your new location. Mm-hmm. Were there any challenges to, from moving from where you were to where you are? No. Okay. I was ready. Yeah, you wanted it. <laughs> I was more than ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. I meant to say it earlier, but you said Thank you wanted you. your James Beard. I right? want my James Beard. You, that was a goal of yours. That's the goal. And you got it. Shit. Yeah. What's next? Like, <laughs> what next? Um, cookbook is coming out yeah. next next year. Can I pre-order that? <laughs> um, yes, you sure can. Okay, awesome. um, cookbook next. And maybe a little more time for myself and Ziv next year to play with Titi, my little Pomeranian more. Um, yeah, that's what next. So are you trying to um, get to the point where you can transition away from the business to focus more on your own personal life? Is that what, what you mean by spending more time with Titi? Actually, you know, for the past four years since I opened the restaurant, my life is my restaurant. And and I am hoping so to, you know, for some more downtime that I could be, you know, somewhere and I know everything is running like we're all machine here, which is happening. Yeah. And I am very proud of my team. It's something that, you know, Greg, Nick, and Al promised me and my team, they were set their goal that this is going to happen for me. So I have more time for myself and they will take good care of the business and they take good care of me. Yeah. I can tell that, you know, I've been, for the past month, I've been gone almost every weekend. And whenever I come back, the food getting better and better. You're a flight attendant again. I, no, <laughs> you're traveling all over. I've the place. been busy. <laughs> yeah. I just been famous and busy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Well, thank you um, for making time for me. No, no, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So you know, anytime I come back to the kitchen, I just, I, I know that it's getting better. I know the consistency of the food, and I'm so proud. I'm so proud that you know I. I chose the right partners. I'm so proud that my partners helped me grow my business. I'm so proud of my team yeah. that they love my food. They understand our value. It's just like not that is nothing better than one woman, female housewife could ask for. <laughs> I am a lucky one here. You sure are. I am a lucky one. So what is the, what is the strategy going forward to maintain the NUC quality without you being here? How how are you going to what's what's your plan? What's your strategy to make sure that your your spirit is here, your standards are here, your your hospitality is here, your warmth is here when you're not in the four walls? Build a team with people who understand my value and who got my spirit in them. Mm. And how do you make sure it stays that way? Once it's built, how does it have longevity? The longevity is, you know, it's mean consistency. It's mean for them to, to grow, for them to have my spirit. It's mean... Also, that I will have to be consistent with myself in terms of quality control, in terms of me knowing who I am, and just know my, keep you know doing what I'm doing and know my value. 
I would never too big or too famous to be in my restaurant. I will be here. My spirit will be here. My presence will be around, and my team—they are represent me. Mm. My team are me. We are one. I love that. So as your circle has expanded, right, and your team has grown, um, how have you, how has your business gotten better? How are you better today than you were, say, three years ago? Because of your like, what is the biggest impact, the biggest evolution your business has experienced because of your team? Um, I slept better. Mm. I don't have to worry about what next. Mm. I don't. I don't because whenever I worry about what next, you know, when I told you that you know I want to step outside with the happiness before I leave the house, I have that. Mm. I have that. I have that peace of mind. I know that I have. A bunch of people who got my back. I know that I have a bunch of people who want to make my customer happy. I know all my life cook. They're so proud and so happy to make my food. They're eager to learn, and they hear every day. Excited to cook. They are happy. They've been well taken care of. I know that front of the house, they are pumped to for our door to open for our customer to walk in, for them to share their. <clears throat> what they learn to share their experience, to share their knowledge with our guests. Yes. Um, so, Restaurant Unstoppable's mission is to change the world through inspiring, empowering, and transforming the industry. How have you personally transformed? Who's Nuck today versus the Nuck back when you first got started in the industry? Mm. Very good question. Thank you. Um, I got into this industry without, with zero expectation. I never think that I'm gonna be successful. I know that this business is not gonna make me a billionaire or billionaire, but this gives me the fulfillment. And I think knock today is, you know, a happy knock. And I, I know that I did good. I did something right. I know that I can share my love to you know the wider audience. Um, so it's like this is one of the happiest knock, and she have a lot of love to share. And what good thing is she have the bigger wing, she have the bigger team, and we all here at Kalaya. We are here because we believe in knock's culture, in Kalaya's philosophy. And this is one of a big group of people, like-minded people, who are doing good for food community because they have a super strong support system, and because they know that what they do is what they believed. Yeah, I love that. So on on this vein, this idea of changing the world, right? How do we go into the future? As an industry, collectively, not just you, but everybody, right? To be a better industry. Like, what needs to change? How do we evolve? How do we transform intentionally? Changing the world is too much of the bigger picture. Changing our industry, changing what we have in our little right. area, this 6,000 square feet. Yes. This is a good start. So, I agree. And... If we're going, so I believe, 
I believe that if we, if we can transform the restaurant industry, our little industry, we can transform the world, right? So if, what do we have to do within our industry to, to be better, to, to influence the world to change? Setting a good sample, starting within your organization, select like-minded people, people who believe in same value, and just let people know that you got their back and you're here to take care of them. Yes. You care about them. Customers is not always right, but together we can make it right. And the management doors is always open for any opinions, you know. That is all the communication in the organization should be transparent. Yes. Yes. Um, nothing should happen behind each other back. Right. So, ironically, I think how we started today's conversation about your past, your history, the, the power of community and the culture that you came from and the significance of giving and caring um, and everything that you just said now, I think, I think it is about really reflecting about what matters, right? And, and, and kind of changing our value system and lifting people up and and. and Finding people who share our values, and yes. and then if they maybe might be slightly off from our values, how do we change their perspective? How do we help them grow as individuals? Yes, right. And I think if we if we change at the individual level, and we can lift people up at the individual level, yes. the world will change. Yes, one person at a time. Exactly, one person at a time. You cannot change people' mind like you know overnight, but. Like, you know, I'm the persuader. Yeah. I would never give up. I would never give up. I keep pushing. I keep going. And I have my team that they know. They yeah. know that I'm the persuader. And they see this in me. They believe in me. And we are doing it together. Yeah. So this next question, this is the second to last question. We're almost done. We're almost there. Um, restaurant Unstoppable. Right, that's what, what the name of the podcast. Uh, what is it? What is one thing that I need to see here, or I should be aware of here at Kalea, that your restaurant um, that is unstoppable? An example of what makes you unstoppable. Our love to our food and our culture, and the care and respect and love that we have to our customers. Um. And the team, one big team, one united front at Defy Hospitality, that what make us, the restaurant, unstoppable. I love that. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, so we wrap up every episode, every conversation, by having my guests call somebody out. So who do you respect and admire in the industry? Somebody that if there were a guest on this show, You'd be like, oh my goodness, like this person, I ha- this person has so much to share, so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Who is that person for you? I have two. Yes, give me two. Mark Vetri and Mike Solomonov. Ooh, I've actually had um, Mike Solomonov on the show, but it's been a long time. So I'd love to get him back. And Mike Vetri is, or not Mike, um, what's his first name again? Is it Mike? Mark Vetri. Mark, thank you very much. Yes. Mark Vetri um, has been on my radar for some He's time. a legend. Yeah. Both of them are. And they're. Also, you know, they always got my back. I know two people. Anything, uh, anytime. Yeah. 
Those guys, yes. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And uh, if we've listened to this and we're inspired by you and we want to follow you, maybe we want to come work for you. Maybe we want to join your team. Yes, come join our team. What's the best way to connect? We have the best staff meal. <laughs> I can vouch. <laughs> the food here is amazing. It's so good. Um, so, um, so our Instagram is Kalayafili. My personal Instagram is Kunok. And... If you want to join our team, just visit our website or stop by. And that's K-A-L-A-Y-A. Kalaya Philly. Yes, beautiful. Um, This has been so much fun, Chef Noah. Thank Uh, you. And this is where I say thank you so much. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Nook, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your inspiring story. And I think the thing that really stood out to me in today's episode is this mentality of just being unapologetically you. And it almost comes off as sometimes as selfish, but I don't believe it is because you can't be the best version of yourself. You can't lift up other people. You can't fill other people's cup until your cup is overflowing. And that is clear with you in your story. You know what you want. You get after it. And when you're in that place of existing, ideally how you want to exist, you can do so much for other people. And um, I also love this idea of just staying in your lane, doing what you do best and surrounding yourself with people that you know, love and trust and that are strong where you're weak and uh, you, you will go further. This was an awesome episode. This was an amazing interview. Uh, and I mean, again, just thank you so much for your hospitality. Um, Kalea is a beautiful restaurant. I enjoy it. I got a t-shirt. I'm going to rock it around my journeys across the country. And um, if you're enjoying this podcast and you want more content just like this, if you want to be a part of this mission to change the world through inspiring, empowering, and changing the industry, please support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. Uh, if you're not sure about what link to use, reach out to me. Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. I will make a, per- a personal introduction to my sponsors and to my affiliates to make sure you're being taken care of. Uh, and one other thing I'm in need of is a videographer, somebody who's willing to travel, maybe somebody who has a passion for videography, photography, social media, uh, maybe wants to start a career, but they don't have the tools. They don't have the resources. I got all the tools. I've got the resources. I just need human power. Manpower, woman power to get behind this thing and help me take it the distance. So if that is appealing to you or if you know somebody who that might be appealing to, traveling the country, eating in the best restaurants, meeting badass restaurateurs, put them on my radar. I'm looking for people. And I can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make the show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi with Sumadre Podcast for all the copyright and editing you do. Thank you, Callum Miola, our community manager, for holding us tight and keeping us together. And thank you to Anna Tazin with a good kind of consulting for your executive support and counsel. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.